Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Luke from Mo. Uh, you're back on the Moments podcast, and thank you ever so much for tuning in to listen. Um, it's great to see so many listeners coming in. Um, today, we have uh, Glenn, Glenn Grayson um, from Misguided. Uh, many of you probably would have seen him on LinkedIn or maybe on Instagram uh, doing some really interesting stuff at Misguided. Um, so welcome, Glenn. It'd be great if you could just give a little hello, a welcome, and tell everybody a little bit about you and Misguided to start us off, if that's okay. I'll give you all of it. Hi, hello, welcome. So my name's Glenn. Thanks for the kind introduction there. So my name's Glenn. I am the internal comms and engagement partner for Misguided. Um, for those people that have never heard of Misguided, where have you been for the last 10 years? So Misguided is a female fashion business and we're based in Manchester. Been around for 10 years, so started in 2009. And we are on a mission to empower young women to look and feel confident for every occasion through fashion. Um, so our target customer, she's female, she's 16 to 35. We champion body confidence in our campaigns and our products. Um, and we're cheeky and we're bold and we're slightly risque, which means I get loads of great fun with some of the comms and engagement stuff that we do at Misguided that you may have seen, like Luke said, on Instagram or on LinkedIn. Um, and I've been with the business now for just over two and a half years. Um, yeah, that's me. And, ju and just maybe a little bit of extra context on terms of the organization size and makeup. You're across multiple offices. How many people are you? Just okay. to give a sense of a scale of your <laughs> challenge. So Misguided is primarily an online business. We've got a flagship store based in Blue Water in Kent, and we're currently expanded around the globe um, with a franchise model. Our colleague population is made up of about 325 people, um, and our average colleague is female, and she's 30 years old, and we're based in Manchester in a pretty cool, pretty fancy office. As you'd expect, there's lots of millennial pink, lots of pink trees. We've got the swings, we've got the beanbags and all that good stuff. Wicked. That's probably a good time for my very first um, question, actually, which is, um, can you describe the culture and the kind of experience that one of those uh, people at Misguided might have uh, during their time with you, please? Yeah, sure. So a culture at Misguided is quite hard to, it's quite hard to describe. It's very unique to us as a brand. So as a the brand we're all about empowerment with regards to our customers but that also resonates internally too so i'd say culture at misguided is all about empowerment so as a brand we like to push boundaries but we also encourage and support our colleagues to do the same it sounds like cliche but we want every single colleague to have the best you know be the best versions of themselves in the workplace so to do that we really support people with learning opportunities self-development you know these are all part of our people priorities um it sounds a bit cheesy and i don't really want to say it but work hard have fun do you know what i mean it, it, it's that kind of environment yeah. that we're trying to create but we're trying to be really authentic with it we, we know culture isn't just about having a ping pong table and i joked before about having a beanbag in the office there's much more to that it's about being really true yeah. to your brand dna and, and, and making that come alive in the office um with your workforce etc so we understand that creating engaging work-life balance is really important so to me especially within my role it's about creating extraordinary colleague experiences it's about having unique rewards and it's, it's about creating an exciting work environment. That's kind of everyday life at Misguided. Yeah, I think it's fascinating to see um, your brand kind of um, positioning on the inside of the organisation pretty similar to the outside of the organisation. Is that fair to say? Like the experience expectations quite consistent? 
Yeah, I completely agree with you there. So, you know, I'm very keen that our internal brand and our external brand are very, very similar. Um, we use a very, very similar tone of voice in our comms. Um, our brand identity internally is very, very similar. Slight differences, internal brand to external brand, but there's a lot of similarities. I mean, the tone of voice is just great. You know, we can have some great fun with our tone of voice internally, because again, it just mirrors what we do externally. Yeah, completely. So uh, just because this is topical for me at the moment, because I listened to a great podcast um, yesterday from uh, Esther Perel. I don't know if you know that name. No. She's a psycho psychotherapist. She's, she's amazing. So she um, started her life um, in relationship counseling for romantic relationships. And she's now started focusing on workplace relationships. Um, and one of the things that fascinates me with brand and the brand DNA and experience at work is how we essentially experience the brand through the relationships that we have with our colleagues, because very different to your flagship store in Blue Water and the customer service that you would get from uh, one of the people in store. If you like, the experience that we create with individuals, the human contact is the way in which we experience the brand on the inside of the organization. Um, and she talks about how uh, relationships at work not those of the romantic kind, but how we actually interact with each other are much more representative than perhaps this macro view of the culture of the organization. It'd be great to see how you kind of foster those relationships within um, your organization, because being the better version of or the best version of yourself is quite a kind of modern expectation of someone else to help you do that. So it'd be really interesting to just get a sense of how you're cultivating these kind of relationships internally through the experiences you're creating for people. I suppose it's, I suppose the relationships that we build in the workplace, you, you spend the majority of your time at work, you spend more time at work than you do at home. So I think with us as a brand and as a business, it's important that we nurture the relationships that colleagues have. And there's a number, there's a number of initiatives that we put in place to bring these relationships together and make them stronger. Uh, you know, and that can be anything from, you know, the workshops that we have around mental health and resilience and well-being, et cetera, to the sporting activities that happen throughout the year. You know, it's not about doing things as an individual, it's about doing things as a team. And the only way you can really do yeah. that is nurture individual relationships. Yeah, completely. No, it's, it's, I, I just, uh, it's, it's, it's super interesting the way in which you're kind of crafting experiences. Most of what I've seen online is never about just, the individual is, is always about the shared experience it really is and it's what, what we're doing is something you know and it's not about it's not about teamwork in the sense that you know this team does this and this team does that you know it's about multi-teamwork so you know one of our vibes or values is win together and that's about collaborating having the right people around the table um so that's part of everyday everyday language is all about collaboration that this guy did you know i'm really passionate yeah. about this passionate about bringing different people together to work on projects to come together socially to solve problems you know to do charity work to do goodwill etc you know working in silo is something that's properly frowned down at misguided it's about working together to get the best from a team yeah and we, we share in my mind a fairly similar value so we talk about ours as togetherness um which is the yeah. fact of whatever you're doing you're kind of with the person that's by your side um, yeah, so, so, oh, go on. yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, together it's the same, it's about, 
you know, it's about pulling, one of our behaviors for our vibes is, you know, win together, like I said, we collaborate and win as a team. Well, that means celebrating in good times and pulling together in bad, because not everything is all rosy and, you know, millennial pink unicorn and sparkles. There are times when people do need to pull together to you know, get out of a sticky or bad situation. Yeah, completely, completely agree. That probably segues us quite nicely to um, uh, the, the values and the, the brand of Misguided and the way in which you talk about them, which is your vibes. Yeah, if you could so, just give us a little bit of what, why vibes, how you got to vibes, and what, what, how they manifest in the company would be great. No problem. So in 2008, pretty much when I first started in the business, um, we started a 10-month journey to create a company values. Um, and the reason we did this, and the reason we, we chose that time was the business was growing, the business was expanding, uh, you know, more people were being taken on, by, taken on to work here. And what we really wanted to do was highlight what made us special, what got us to where we were, and what were the behaviours um, that were needed to help us to grow as a business. So what we wanted to do is cr was, was create a, a, a set of core values like every other business had, um, that these would form the basis to help us expand. So I would set the task, like, like I said, a 10-month project to, to make this happen, to, to build these, these values from from scratch but what I really wanted to do was something quite different and was really build this from the heart of the business from our people um, and that's something that I thought was really important to make it truly authentic to misguided start with the heart of the business start with our colleagues and find out found out more more information so instead of starting the process in the boardroom or with the senior leadership team etc like we started with the colleagues and this began with listening and feedback sessions you know we called them holler at you sessions again very on brand you know we, we tried to keep element of fun there making them engaging so we did all these yeah. listening groups to find out what made misguided special etc we used that basis then to research further but what came out from those initial listening groups was the word vibe so if i what one of the questions was you know explain that like what it feels like to work at misguided and you know our colleagues were telling us oh it's a really good vibe it's a real good vibe good vibes only. So, you know, the words, I was writing this word vibe down so many times and all it took was a quick yeah. look into the dictionary to find out exactly the dictionary definition for vibe. And that is a person's emotional state or an atmosphere of a place as communicated to or felt by others. And I thought, you know what, perfect. At this guy, we yeah, like to, you know, outside the box, we break the rules. Who says they need to be called values? At the end of the day, it's just a word. Let's make something that's going to yeah. resonate with our colleagues and our demographic, you know, of our, of our workforce. So that's how the word vibe was picked. Um, and, and the process continued. There was a lot of research, you know, with our colleagues. We went through like 50 different versions of what our vibes and our behaviours were. Um, right. And then they got presented to our senior leadership team through, you know, through our exec, um, our senior leadership team. And, you know, the business had the final say off there. But all the research that we've done, all the discovery phase we've done was with our vibe tribe, which was like our, um, our group of colleagues that helped us do the research um, and, yeah. and listening groups. So we spent a lot of time researching and asking questions. We did lots of interactive fun activities, including little yellow stretched men, love heart sweets, um, selfies, love selfies, loads and loads of fun things to get as much data as, as possible. In fact, when we totted it all up, we had about 3,000 pieces of individual data that were analyzed. Now I'm sure all the listeners are thinking, 1,000 pieces of data. I will fess up, I didn't do it on my own. I had help from an um, Institute of Management and Bolton University, and I had those guys help me analyze the data. So that was a really good way to get this fun, unique data to have some really like a methodical, um, like reason and sounding behind it. 
and that's what we use to create our, our misguided vibes. But I'm going to say it's uh, it's not a gimmick. Yeah, you know, we've not just replaced the word vibe with value. I think the word value with vibe. I think what we've done is it's, what's made it so special and so unique is the way that we created them and the data that we created them to. Um, and yeah, that, I, I would go. Sorry, go on. No, go for it, Luke. Go for it. I was going to say, I'll go beyond that, actually. Like, what you've done in a marketing sense is um, create, like, uh, a new language in which people would associate with them because yeah. values have got quite a bad name, generally, actually. And, like, um, vibes is something that connects to the demographic and the types of people that you've got working in the organization. And, and brand, for me, is this is all about, like, a level of emotional connection, right, rather than a rational connection. You turn up, you see them on the wall of the... Um, uh, of the boardroom and then you're expected to adjust your behaviors to represent them like this is your big emotional hook that people can resonate and connect to I think and that's you've done that yeah. immensely well yeah and the, the thing was I was challenged when I went uh, to present these you know to get them signed off I was challenged with the point of saying you know if our colleagues have told us these are all the behaviors that we're great at how are we going to push ourselves and challenge ourselves with these going forward if it's just a tick list of what we're already good at and I was like well no one part of the exercise was to pull out behaviors that we were famously not good at so two of the behaviors for each of the vibes is things that we need to work on as a business so it's great that we know that we're working towards getting better at some of these things um, but yeah language it, it, to me it's truly authentic I mean we could have gone and just took a hashtag in front of something and changed the S sign into a dollar and be like, yeah, we're being really hip and cool and millennial. But the fact that what these uh, yeah. work with our colleagues makes it authentic and we're using the language that resonates with our highly millennial workforce. Um, but it's not gimmicky. I mean, I, I think so it's what truly it, what life is like as it misguided. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, it, it's created like clear differentiation in quite a loud and noisy marketplace of which which brand do I pick that I want to you know dedicate all of that time that we talked about right at the beginning of the conversation where do I want to commit yeah. all of the time of my working life to um, and you've created something that's really like distinctive that people can identify and connect to I think so it, it serves a purpose up front when you're trying to hire really great people um, the, the thing that would be really useful for me to understand is one, you've got these kind of strength-based areas in which you can continue to behave more like, so you um, continue to differentiate as a brand, and then you've got these kind of strength, uh, these kind of areas of development that you need to get yeah. better at. How do you, when it's quite um, core to the heart of the business as you described it, how, how do you get people to change and evolve and then how do you embed these in the way in which you've gone about creating the experiences for people at Misguided? So I guess with some of the areas that we, we need to focus on, um, it's just about referring back to the behaviours. I mean, it's all good and well as saying, you know, how you're acting isn't really cool or kind. You know, but be able to relate actually to something in print and say it's not living our fundamental expectations of our behaviours, that's, that's kind of the support that we have. I think it does in part. I think the bit that I'm trying to get to the heart of is the serious bit, actually. Like changing your behaviours is really hard. And you've oh, yeah, got but we a have good... our call-out behaviours too. So, you know, we talk about the behaviours. So we talk about the behaviours. So each of the vibes has four key, five, so four key behaviours. 
Uh, yeah. And these are the ones that we always talk about, and these are the ones that we recognize and we celebrate people for. So, for example, I mean, Win Together, we're talking about. So we collaborate by having the right people around the table and we celebrate in good times and fall together in bad and we openly give and see feedback and we see the positive situations. So these are the behaviours yeah. that we talk about day in, day out. And these are the ones that you'll see, you know, in literature, um, on our engagement, et cetera. But then we have our call-out behaviours and there's also four behaviours that aren't acceptable within Misguided. Um, right, okay. so like we're not, we're not gossips, uh, we're not dismissive. We're not unhelpful. So we have four very key negative behaviours for each of them too. Um, and again, yeah. we almost have those in our back pocket that we can call out if needed. But these ones aren't ones we, they're there for people to refer back to, but they're not the things that we, you know, we plaster up all over and, and talk about. And again, what's really yeah. nice is, is call out behaviours were decided by our colleagues too. So our colleagues have told us what's not cool or kind in the workplace what they don't expect to experience. So this is, you know, the people team or the HR team deciding what's not great. It's our colleagues have told us this is what they don't expect. And we need to remember nice yeah, of everyone that works at Misguided, you know, was a part of this project. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, so the, the, the next thing then for me to just get a bit more of an understanding on, and, and the interesting bit is like this say, do gap, like, it sounds like your story is exceptionally well crafted. You've got clarity over the good and the bad. Um, yeah. When you bridge that into action and how you um, either call out people when they're not doing it or praise them when they are doing it or create yeah. experiences that further develop those desirable behaviors, like how, how uh, in practice are you doing that? So Great we have a, so to bring them to life, um, to bring them to life, you know, I'm a big believer and it's not about giving someone a mouse mat with a value on or a mug. And it's like, there you go, this is it. Yeah. It's about an ongoing thing. It's about keeping it alive. It's about telling the story. It's about showing the benefits. And there are going to be times when, you know, the, the behaviours aren't being lived to or, you know, something doesn't go right. But there, there are different tools and mechanisms to bring them to life and also to help challenge behaviours that don't, don't kind of resonate with the behaviours that we expect. So the, the main thing here is we empower our managers to have those conversations. Um, yeah. So we manage tools to help them have those difficult conversations. We, we run a whole um, suite of personal empowerment workshops which help empower our managers to have those conversations, those difficult or tricky conversations. Um, we also give our manager a suite of tools to help them recognise and celebrate behaviours too. I mean, you might have some managers that are absolutely great at doing the day job and doing the technical aspects, but when it comes to people management, they might struggle. That's why I'm really passionate that we have these tools available. So I find some people, you know, some managers even struggle just for the basics to say thank you and recognizing someone and celebrating them. So that's yeah. why we, as a business, we have a suite of tools to help them recognize great behavior. So we, we empower them with the, having that difficult conversation, people that aren't living our vibes. We empower them with a tool of, of recognition products for those guys yep. that need help saying thank you um, and we also have a continuous listening culture too so we're always listening we're all getting, always getting a temperature check about what our general population colleagues feel so so you know there's three ways there that we can help keep these values alive yeah no it's great I, I, I think it's really it's really useful that it's also being pushed into the organization's responsibility um, and the task is one of tool and equip and enable people rather than yeah. kind of mandate or dictate, um, which is, At which the end is of great. The day, this, 
at the end of the day, this the, you know these vibes aren't HR's vibes. They aren't the people team's vibes. They're not my vibes. They're the, the business's vibes. You know, and yeah, uh, this is going to be a question. But long after you know this existing team that's put them in place is gone, you know this this will be our legacy that we leave misguided. But these will live and breathe and grow. Because they'll most probably grow and change. The business changes too. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. No, it's great. I've, one, one of the things I'd love to um, get onto, because I think you do this really well, is um, the types of activities that you do seem not to be wildly expensive, but highly oh, effective. Yeah, yeah. Like, you've done spinning reward wheels. I've seen you do, that like, was one of the ice first things, in the yeah. summer. Yeah, um, so... Oh. Confetti cannons, the works, that aren't expensive necessarily, but seem to be quite effective. So if you could give a sense of some of the stuff that you've done and then maybe some advice to organizations that think that these things are always wildly expensive and how you can do it. So um, for those people that, that kind of follow me guided on, on LinkedIn, etc., follow me personally, you'll, you'll see some quite crazy things going on in the office. Um, I suppose these crazy things become the norm after a while. Um, and I suppose I think we've got an endless engagement budget, but I suppose like many people listen to this podcast, that's not actually the case. But what we do is we're really clever with how we spend our money, what's going to give us the best value. Um, but we've done some really cool things that haven't cost a lot of money. Um, summertime treats like ice lollies. But the thing is, we don't just give an ice lolly out of, out of a box. You know, we, we make it a theatrical experience. So we'll have the ice lolly cart goes round with an ice cream theme tune playing um, we've done um, something we did for Valentine's Day which links in really nicely to one of our vibes Love Lots is we we all played Love Lots Lotto which was misguided to take on, on bingo shall we say downstairs in the social space complete with confetti cannons and wonderful prizes um, what else have we done we've done oh, something we do every week because um, I'm a big believer in doing things little and often it'd be great to give someone a Range Rover or a trip to the Bahamas but it's great to give do things <laughs> so every week we do something called Freebie Friday so Friday's the official day of free shiz we called it as to start off with but Freebie Friday's much shorter um, so every week we give um, we give colleagues a chance to win a fun prize on a Friday this could be anything and I mean absolutely anything from uh, we gave away a bottle of red and white wine last week. We've given away candles. We've given away face masks. We've given away um, giant unicorns. The idea is it's just a little fun way to reward people to get to, get to the end of the week. Uh, we have a wheel. Yeah. Like you said, we've got a famous wheel. The wheel was one of the first things that I brought into Misguided. I'm a big fan of game shows. So any excuse to get a game show jacket on and a confetti cannon on there. Um, <laughs> it, it's just a nice way. It's a random act of kindness we use the um, the wheel for. For example, for International yeah. Women's Day, we're having a, a sanitary product collection for charity. So every time someone brings in sanitary pads or tampons, they'll get a ticket. And then when the collection's finished, we'll randomly pick one of those people that donated to come and spin the happiness wheel. So the idea is, you know, you're making people happy through charity work. We're making you happy through donating. Hey, do you know what? Come and spin the happiness wheel. But the happiness wheel, you know, like I said, there's no Range Rover on there, but there is um, hit the snooze button. It's a half day's holiday. There's bottles of Prosecco on there. There's winner pizza lunch for you and your teammates. Just nice, fun, theatrical way uh, of giving prizes away, I'd say. Most, most of the value is in the experience, right, idea. rather than the cost. Oh, yeah, 100%. The experience. I mean, I'm, I'm turning my head now to our famous treat trolley. 
So again, if you've seen me on LinkedIn, I'm sure you've seen our treat trolley. It's a traditional tea trolley, but we've, we've pimped it up with a registration plate that say treat trolley. And we have fun with that. We had to keep mini bottles of tequila on um, Friday on it, so pin the tequila trolley. Um, a couple of Valentine days ago, we turned it into the heart cart. Um, Christmas, we, we dressed it up as the snack sleigh and we're giving out mulled wine from it. So it's about having fun. Um, and especially with our, with our colleagues demographic, shall I say, we usually find the treat trolleys pretty quickly on Snapchat, Instagram, you name it. So it's quite famous, the treat trolley. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I think I've seen it on Instagram quite a few times. Um, it's, I was um, just going to say as well about the pet show. I was cool. going to say about the pet show too. That's another good one. Like For people that think they haven't got the budget to do these things, um, well, you know, we did a virtual pet show where colleagues were invited to send a picture of the dogs, cats. Um, we had a horse, we had a cow, we had a tortoise. And everyone in the office votes digitally for their favourite pet. Obviously, we don't invite all the tortoises into the office and the cows, etc. And yeah. people in the office vote for their favourite pet. And 95% of the office took part in the competition. And it actually cost us £60 to run the competition. So if you think about it, 95% engagement rate, and it costs you £60. Don't need to spend a lot of money doing this. Think like a marketeer. That's what I always say. When you're doing your internal events, think like a marketeer. And if you've not got that skill set in your team, then get marketing involved. Or get someone from the brand or creative team involved. But... Luckily, we don't struggle for creativity in the people thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And literally this morning, travelling into the office, I saw um, another job title that was something like head of colleague and customer experience. And it seems like it's becoming a blurred uh, kind of responsibility now, this one of engaging people, whether they're on the outside of your organisation and a customer or the inside and an employee. Um, it seems like sometimes you just need the um, the willingness to go and chat to somebody because you know that there's a kind of an area that you're not the best at and somebody else is generally willing to help, especially when it impacts the whole organisation. Yeah, completely right. I mean, I am not um, a social media native, shall we say. So, uh, you know, I grew up before the whole Facebook and the Instagram, etc. So this is where I am yeah. really tapping into the, you know, the specialisms of our social media team. Um, yeah. We've just launched a misguided HQ Instagram account. The idea is it gives potential colleagues an insight into what life's like at misguided in the, you know, in the medium of pictures. But, you know, I haven't yeah. got a clue, to be honest. It's about getting the experts on board. And again, going back to our vibe win together, it's about collaborating by having the right people around the table, the right conversations. Yeah, completely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you to the next one, which is the most memorable moment that you've got, that you've created for... Uh, a, mis a misguided employee. Like, what's the thing that stands out that you'll champion when at some point in your life you will go to your next role? What's the thing in which you think, I really made a difference to that person? Um, oh my God, it's going to sound really cheesy. And it's about prizes and giving people away, giving things away. But I just think I remember seeing the response and the excitement on people's faces when we've done some of our competitions and our giveaways and we've done them in a really truly misguided way. Um, one of them was um, we gave not uh, a couple of years ago we gave three colleagues the chance to go to the Love Island final um, okay. and to see the, the excitement on those people's faces was legendary um, yeah okay. also, like, yeah it's, it's someone from, and actually someone from my team won um, one of the places so Simone who's um, our talent acquisition um, lead she won a place 
So it was super exciting. People getting excited, cheering people on. It really created a sense of community. The, how, how you won was you had to submit a, a video or a, a photo or any kind of entry saying why you wanted to go to the island. You had some fantastic entries. I just imagine really creative. But then the final part was you had to go into something called the misguided blow booth. Um, but that was actually you know, one of the grabber machines where all that, the gold coins, the gold foils are going around. And it was great seeing that sense of excitement, everyone cheering everyone to win. And yeah, those guys got to go to the Love Island final. And then another one is, um, again, I suppose doing things outside the box. So well-being, for example, you know, I'm a big believer in thinking outside the box when it comes to well-being. It's not about just having a smoothie bike in your, in your canteen, making smoothies and ticking off the box for well-being. It's about what can you do that's different? Uh, and one of the things yeah. that we did at Miss Friday that was different, and this is really memorable, um, for all kinds of reasons, Luke, as you can imagine, was we had a visit from to Rescue, which is a local non-profit okay. home and kind of rehome, and they home rescue dogs. Yeah. So you've got to imagine now our social space. We have 30 rescue dogs running around the office. I brought them in in the sense of, you know, it's well-being, it's therapy dog situation. We had all kinds of yeah. dogs kinds of ages all kinds of ability there's a dog i think she's called sherry and she's only got the front two legs so the rest of um right. moves by wheels so the relationships right. or our colleagues building with these dogs were super memorable but as you can imagine 30 dogs running around mess as well just madness uh, yeah but, yeah but totally memorable um i'd say they're two pretty memorable moments no they're good they're, they're two real goodies very 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 good and but the, 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 I've got two questions left for you. Um, the next one is um, how much of this um, energy and enablement across the organization of the type of brand and experience that you want to create kind of comes from you or one or two like you with um, a big presence, lots of leadership and championship around this area and people clearly wanting and passionate about people having a great experience with misguided versus how this becomes scalable lives beyond you like what happens when you're not there anymore and how are you creating processes and practices to enable this to live on uh, I think we touched on it really briefly earlier but how much of it is um, a kind of an experience that you can expect now from misguided um, even if you got another job next week for example you know, I don't own these, but I don't own the company values. I don't own the vibes, you know, I enabled the company to create them. Um, but I think, you know, if I wasn't here, if the people team weren't here, you know, these vibes would still live on. They're kind of embedded into everyday language. That's what I'd say. They're embedded into everyday language. They're not just um, words on a wall. You know, we talk about stories that bring them alive. We, like I said before, we've got our recognition programs that keep them alive. Um, and we've got almost guardians of the vibes in every department. So we do have a whole a committee of people. We call these our misguided ambassadors. These are almost like our internal influencers. Those guys keep yeah. the vibes alive too. Um, they shout out great behavior, they share stories, etc. Um, and that, that's how we, we keep them alive, really. It can't be one person's responsibility or one team's responsibility to keep them alive. Um, everyone's got a part to play. And just going back to the fact that, you know, 97% of people, you know, had a part to play in creating this. And I'm sure some of those yeah. people have left business and moved on. But, you know, it almost becomes infectious. 
the first thing you do on your new starter day is we talk about the vibes, but we don't just talk about them and say, these are the expectations. This is what you're supposed to do. We tell the story behind it. You know, this is, this is from our people. This is what people have told us. And we ask people, do they agree with this? Do they think this is still the case? Because you know what? I'm not precious about these. We could change these next week. It's, we've got to keep them alive. We've got to keep them relevant to the business. Um, yeah, it's not just no, I think about that, me. I think that's useful. No, and, and I, I really didn't want the question to feel like that. Um, it's more just a case of like how the, the challenge that I see for people in the world of people comms or HR is that very often as soon as culture or engagement comes up around the board table, the finger gets pointed towards um, the HR team often. Yeah, um, no, that, that's, and, tr- that's um, totally true. Um, and, I, and I think I, it's, it's a big challenge for me because I, I think it's, it's a leadership obligation rather than a HR ob- obligation. Um, oh, 100%. But uh, the kind of facilitation, support and drive that comes from HR um, needs to exist beyond the people, right? Otherwise, it's not, it's not the ownership of the company. It's the energy of an individual. Um, and the reason I ask in this example is how... Uh, how do people like really facilitate that? How does it become an ongoing thing? And I think what, if I can play back your answer to you, um, is weave it into the communication strategy. Like this should be brand language um, and it needs to be integral to the way in which you talk and communicate with each other. Uh, otherwise, it won't, it won't last. It won't be a story that carries across different generations, if you like, of, of employee. Um, and that it needs to be uh, owned ultimately by the people. Yeah. Is, is that it, fair? Yeah, it's owned by the people. It was created by the people. It was created by the people. It's owned by the people, and it will it it will change and it will grow with the business. But I just hope that it always lies with our colleague population as the people start the journey, plant the seed, shall we say? Yeah. Um, because it is. Okay. Uh, I'm really passionate. It's not a HR initiative of anything, you know. It's everyone. It's every, everyone's got a role to play in keeping this keeping this alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, completely. And that's what in, in other places I've worked. That's where it's been super successful. When when it's kept alive. I mean, I worked for. I've, I've worked in retail. I've always worked in retail situations, but I've always worked in like bricks and mortar mortar stores. So I've been there on the shop floor with the people, with the management, etc. And when you get your yeah. sales your population bought into something and living and breathing. And knowing the importance and seeing something grow with passion, when you get those people yeah. on board, that just flourishes and that's just when it grows. Um, it's about getting buy-in from the people. And that's why I was so passionate and misguided that we got buy-in from the people um, to make it grow and flourish. So that's why we chose the language that we chose. It's got a certain look, the way it looks. That's why it is quite tongue-in-cheek, our communication misguided. It's about getting buy-in from people. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a really interesting um, like term of uh, leadership from every seat and it seems like you've kind of leadership not in a hierarchical sense but in the willingness to behave in a way in which is uh, the way in which everybody is saying is, um, is is desirable but different is hard sometimes and it's great that it's coming all the way from the bottom up. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, don't get I'm me wrong are, I would say 90% oh, of people are on, are, are on the I would say uh, and I'm sure I, I would hate people I would hate listeners to think you know we've got it perfect because I'm the first one yeah. to put my hands up and say, you know, not everything's perfect. 
you know, you're, you're going to always yeah. have like eighty percent of people on your bus that buy into everything, but then you're going to have the you know, the remaining percentage that just go, "What's all that? What's all that rubbish?" Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. you need to have those conversations with the people. They're obviously disen disengaged people, but you know, rather than saying you're not living the behaviours, why are you not doing X, Y, and Z? It's really having that serious conversation about why that person is disengaged. What is it that's causing that person to act and feel that way? Um, and do you know what? It yeah. might be a really conversation that you have with that person say it isn't the culture match um you know yeah. this isn't the culture for you um, but that's why we're yeah. very we're very particular in our recruitment process to make sure we've got a culture match really from really early on yeah completely no it's good it's good i have one last question for you if that's okay mm -hmm. Go. um which is um i always like to end when people are doing these great things with just a couple of tips for others um, that are listening and really wanting to kind of start um, or evolve um, their approach to things. And, and the thing I'd love you to share some kind of top tips on um, would be around creating a really engaging communication strategy for your people, because uh, I think That's you're doing cool. a really, really good job. I was asked to kind of define exactly what the misguided, com like what, what our comm strategy is. And, you know, I've, I've worked in other organisations where you've got this really robust comms strategy and et cetera. But, you know, really, uh, what, I, what I've created with Guide is really simple. Uh, and I'll go through, I'll just, um, so a misguided our comms strategy. So for me, it's about making things memorable. And we do that one of three yeah. ways. So this is something that might work for, for any organisation. We, we, we focus on three things, one of three things. We keep it simple, we tell a story, or we make it fun. So the first thing that we do when we're going to share a message, this is how we build our comms strategy, is we start at the heart. So we start at the heart, and that is we have a really clear understanding of what we want colleagues to know, feel, and do as a response to the message. And then when we know yeah. that, we then know, know how to radiate that throughout the business. And then we decide, will we tell a story, will we keep it fun, or will we make it simple, or will we blend all those three together? So let's say I'm writing a comms about cycle to work. So cycle to work. Right, am I going to tell a story, am I going to make it fun, or am I going to keep it simple, or am I going to do a mixture of those? So maybe I'm going to keep it really yeah. simple so people know exactly what the scheme is about. But you know what? I might tell a story too, because I might say how Jenny's now cycling to work, and she's, you know, saving me on a bike, and she's got fit, and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I'd say some tips. Ask yourself some questions. Get your pens ready, listeners. So if you're thinking about a fun strategy, you want to have a little... Well, yeah, a little bit of misguided magic there. Think, ask people what do they already know or think. So that gives you an idea about what you're doing well when it comes to comms. Can you make things easier to understand? So are you complicating things? Because in the past I've looked at comms and it's been way too complicated. And, you know, myself writing the comms hasn't even understand it. So how do, I, how do I expect colleagues to understand it? Is there a story to tell? So the magic of storytelling really makes things memorable and really gets people to buy in. And is there any way to make it fun? top tip don't try and make it fun for fun's sake because that's when it comes naff and people just roll their eyes at it so you know don't put a picture of a fun dog with a party hat on and writing comic sans on a poster and think that's fun because necessarily that won't necessarily be fun so what do people already know or think can we make things easy to understand is there a story to tell is there any way to make it fun so we so it's about simplicity storytelling and making it fun that's what i would say that's what we do anyway that's what's worked for me I think, I think that's wicked. That's not three tips, is it? That's not three tips. No, okay. it's, it's, it's me. easily approaches. And I think it's, um, 
it, it's super relevant, right? Because if, if there's a certain topic that isn't going to be fun to communicate, then don't try and make it fun because you're just yeah, going coronavirus, to... Yeah, coronavirus, for example. The, yeah, the it, coronavirus it, it, exactly. fun. It's not fun. Exactly. It's not fun, right? So um, just no. keep, in that example, probably keep it simple. Um, yeah. But I think it's quite a good like filter, if you like, for people to think through um, and immensely helpful. Um, I'm going to call it there and say thank you ever so much. It's been great. And it's all um, I imagined it to be, which has been full of fun um, and uh, <laughs> really, really useful. So thank you ever so much. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Luke. I really, it's been, it's been a great chat.